All right, good morning. It's so good to see you. I'm going to read for you two passages of Scripture, famous, to, well, at least one is for Christmas. The other one we probably don't associate with Christmas too often. The first is found in Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. But uh, this is what God says. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebion and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling, warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Very famous passage. Perhaps you're wondering about the bloody garments. What's that mean? Notice right after it says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given. And he's going to establish a new government. A new order in which there will be no war. We look forward to the day of Christ's return. But till then, we live in his everlasting kingdom, the kingdom of which Daniel spoke about in Daniel chapter 2. Let me read for you Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 to 45. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was fine gold, its chest and its arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom of power, given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and to whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. 
And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it. Just as you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in, <clears throat> and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms, shall bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever." Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. This was Daniel to King Nebuchadnezzar, who saw a great statue with a head of gold, a chest of silver, a middle of bronze, legs of iron, and feet of iron and clay. And it troubled him, and he wanted to know what it meant. And Daniel gives him the interpretation. There was a rock cut not by human hands that smashed the kingdoms of the world. Tonight we'll look at three things. We'll look at history, divinity, and eternity. History, divinity, and eternity. History. The most accurate history book you have is the Bible. You hear me say that so often because it is true. You just read history, undeniable history. It's in the secular records. It's in the biblical record. It tells us of four great kingdoms. The head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar. It's the Babylonian Empire, which reigned from 1792 to 539 B.C., 1,253 years. The chest of silver is the Medo-Persian Empire from 536 to 330 B.C., 206 years, began by Cyrus II. The thighs and the stomach of bronze is the Greek Empire from, 530, from 356 to 197 B.C., 159 years, began by Alexander the Great. The legs of iron, the feet of clay and iron, it's the Roman Empire. 31 B.C. to 473 A.D., 507 years. Founded by Julius Caesar, also known as Octavian. These are historical, undeniable facts of history. God is the creator of history. God establishes all the rulers of the world. But within this history, within time and space, steps divinity. It is the stone that is cut without human hands. This happened, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, at just the right time. The stone, it smashed the feet of the statue. That's what it says in Daniel 2.34. And you looked. A stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. This vast empire of clay and iron... The Roman Empire had the largest rule of the four kingdoms. 
There was a saying that said, all roads lead to Rome. And that was actually literally true. Rome ruled from England. How many of you knew that Rome ruled in England? Hadrian's Wall. From Hadrian's Wall to Persia, Iran in the east. 1.699 million square miles Rome had rule over. They ruled over an estimated 50 to 90 million people. It was during the Roman Empire that there was one common rule, one common language, and one common currency. It was called by historians the Common Error. Perhaps you've seen BCE, Before the Common Error, or CE, Common Error. It was into this common error that a baby was born, a baby not hewn by human hands. Isn't that what the angel said to Mary when the angel appeared to her? That the child that was going to be within her was from God? It was a work of God? It was a stone cut without human hands? What it says in Luke chapter 1. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Incarnation. The virgin birth, as it is called, is absolutely central to the story of redemption. It's absolutely essential to the story of history. In the incarnation, not only does divinity intersect history, but divinity intersects humanity. That's what Isaiah tells us when we read Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, as you know, means God with us. What an incredible thought that God would come from heaven to be with you, to be with me. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. As John says in his epistle, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says this in Colossians 2.9, For in Him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is central. This is central to the church. Jesus made it central in his teachings. The religious leaders of Jesus' day did not accept that he was the Son of God. They did not accept his incarnation. Jesus had an exchange with the religious leaders about their freedom. And he said, we have Abraham as our father. We've never been enslaved, which... It's not true because they were currently enslaved by Rome, but yet they said they'd never been enslaved. 
And Jesus said, if Abraham was truly your father, you would listen to me. And so they attacked Jesus. They said to Jesus in John 8, 41, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. They went right to Jesus in the circumstances of his birth. Jesus at one point asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they gave their answers, oh, you're the prophet, you're Elisha, you're the, you know, you're who? But then Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? That was probably one of the most important questions the disciples have ever been asked. Who do you say that I am? You remember Peter's answer, don't you? Matthew 16, 16 tells us, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How did Jesus respond to Peter's answer? Good guess, Peter. You got it, Peter. Right on, Peter. No. He said this. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you. You know, you're blessed, Peter, because you understand this. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was Jesus saying? Upon this truth that I am the Son of the living God. Upon this truth, central to the church, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He said, on that, I build my church. On that, the gates of hell will not prevail. Neither will any other kingdom of human history. Remember, this rock destroys all the kingdoms of human history. The kingdom of God is built upon the truth that God came sinless into the world to save sinners. And so if we remove the virgin birth, if we take away the incarnation of Jesus Christ, then we remove the holiness of God. Didn't the angel tell Mary that the son that she was to have will be holy? Look again at what it says. And the angel answered her, after she asked, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And the holiness of God is removed. The biblical truth of redemption is also removed. For the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Have you taken away the holiness of Christ? Is he for you just a good moral teacher? Somebody who points us in a right direction? Or is he for you the living son of God? Is he for you the rock, hewn not by human hands, who establishes a kingdom that will last forever? Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus 
is. The Bible also tells us that this rock not cut by human hands shall stand forever. That's what Daniel says. Daniel 2.44, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven, those kings, the Roman Empire, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. There will only be, ever be one, one ruler ever. His name is Jesus. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And therefore, we see eternity. Eternity. Time and infinity now intersect in what we call eternity. This rock, not cut by human hands, not only smashes all other kingdoms, but he literally makes them as chaff, it says, or as nothing. Go back and read Daniel 2.35. It's the same message of Psalm chapter 2, where it says, All the kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord's anointed, and the Lord accounts them as chaff, as nothing. Loved ones, the truth is, all the kingdoms of the world will pass away. All the kings and the leaders of which history has feared or were once terrified of, they have all passed away. And the ones who come after them will also pass away. And those who come after them will also perish. There is one kingdom that will last forever. It's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. Look again at what the angel said to Mary. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means, by the way, the Lord saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no and Jesus' kingdom, though, is not of this world. Jesus said this to Pilate in that amazing exchange at the, just hours before the end of his life. Jesus has a conversation with Pilate. Where Pilate says, I find nothing guilty in him. And he goes out to the Jews and they say, oh, but he says he's a king. And he goes back in and he asks Jesus, are you a king of the Jews? Are you a king? And one of the, I believe, two times that Jesus even answered Pilate, he says this, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus came and preached, not a kingdom of this world, but the kingdom of God. This eternal kingdom that intersects human history. This one that is not cut by human hands. The one who rules and reigns in this kingdom is inviting you and I to become subjects of his eternal kingdom. You know, it's not just the kingdoms of this world which will pass away. My own little personal kingdom will pass away. Your own little personal kingdom will pass away. Your world will not stand. Build your world for yourself. You will do it at your own peril. Build your life upon the rock. 
As Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, you who build your life on this, you'll stand. On whom are you building your life? On what are you building your life? Of what kingdom are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the one of the kingdom uh, of the baby that was born? As the old hymn says, born to die that man might live? Jesus dies so that you and I might live. See, the virgin birth points us to the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The angel said he shall be called holy. And only holiness can atone for sinfulness. See, this is what the virgin birth is all about. This is why Christ came into the world. When you look at the tree, decorated so beautifully and nice, remember and think to yourself that Jesus hung on a tree. For cursed is he who was hung on a tree. The prophet Isaiah also tells us this, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. In the very first sermon of God's kingdom, the church. He says this, men of Israel... People of Bible Baptist Church, people of Hasbrook Heights, people of whatever neighborhood you live in, say these words, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. It's your sin and my sin that put Jesus on the cross. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It is an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that knows no end. I would ask you again, have you surrendered yourself to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you surrendered your measly little kingdom for the eternal kingdom that has no end? Would you be willing to die to yourself today so that you might live? For Jesus said, the followers of my kingdom must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. They have no part of the kingdom if we're not willing to die to ourselves. And live for Christ. Jesus came that we would have life and life everlasting. This is what Christmas really is all about. It's my hope and my prayer for you, for your family, and for your loved ones. That we either remember and are encouraged and strengthened because we know what Christmas is all about. Or that you come to know what Christmas really is all about. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for coming into this world to rescue us. Thank you, Lord God, that you didn't just rescue us out of this world, but you've transferred us into a kingdom that's last forever, the kingdom of the Son in whom you love. 
I pray, Father God, that you would help us. That we would desire and seek more to be a citizen of your kingdom than a citizen of the United States of America. That we would desire the riches and the honor that come from serving Christ than the riches and honor of the American dream. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us to set our priorities right. That we would be wise and seek the things that are above in the eternal kingdom where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Father, we pray that this truth would make this Christmas indeed the most blessed Christmas for us. We ask it in your name. Amen. Stan will sing Silent Night. I would ask that you can grab your hymnals and turn to 253. We're going to sing all four verses, and while we do that, you may also light your candle. Two fifty-three. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright Round yon virgin, mother and child Holy infant so tender and mild Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night. Shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night. One star, lend thy light, 
With angels let us sing hallelujah. Wow, that's uh <laughs> let's skip that one. Let's do four. <laughs> Silent night holy night Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beings from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, amen. God be with you.